Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast, our final preview uh, episode, and it is the win projection slash season preview. So thank you to all of our sponsors who have made this series possible. Charlie Park, Congruity, the legendary team of Chad and Shannon, Louisiana Hot Sauce, and as always, the great people at Tarpon Cellars. So Bud, Landed in uh, Atlanta, coming back from podcast, moving at 2 a.m., recording at 7. Let's get it. Look at that, man. Professional podcasters. Uh, all right. I think what we do this is let, let's go just game by game. Um, we can stop at any point if we want to discuss something. Back and forth, you know, and uh, we'll figure out what our win totals are. And then we'll sort of ask each other some questions about what this actually means if uh, – um, if this plays out like we think it'll play out. All right, man. As we uh, have said, we won't trouble our listeners with a, a full-blown Duquesne uh, episode. And for that reason, I think we'll be pretty quick in uh, diagnosing here. I have a 99% win projection for the for the season opener. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, same here. Next game, LSU. I actually do give LSU an additional point of home field advantage for this. Uh, it is a neutral site for both, but FSU has to travel further. It's also almost certainly going to be a more partial uh, LSU crowd. LSU also historically plays extremely well in the Dome, uh, with one exception being the uh, the game against Alabama when they didn't cross the 50-yard line, which is not totally relevant to now because that was, gosh, that's 11 years ago. It was 2011 the Oklahoma State year. But typically, LSU in the Dome plays very well. Uh, I have these teams power rated uh, pretty similarly, actually. I think LSU is a more talented team, but FSU has more uh, returning experience that has actually played together. So I, I make uh, this 42, 42% 42. chance okay. of winning. Yeah, I have it at 49%. And uh, after watching some clips of some LSU linemen yesterday, I probably would have uh, downgraded it some. Had uh, Defensive linemen or offensive linemen? Defensive linemen. Okay. Uh, yeah. I just don't know that we have the people to block uh, some of what they have up front. But I think Florida State will be well prepared. I think they benefit from the Week 0 game. I think they benefit from this being Brian Kelly's first game with with, uh, with a new team. And uh, perhaps I'm being slightly homerish to have it at 49%, but that's uh, that's where we are for the sake of today's conversation. I don't think you're being homerish at all, man. Like that, So I wanted to share something with the audience here. You know, last year in week zero and week one, Vegas spreads averaged being 12 points off the spread. We don't know a damn thing about these teams, yeah. even the ones we cover. We, we really, like, we think we do, and we know more than, like, the average you know, Joe Public fan, certainly. But this is not a, an exact science. There's some art to it, and there's a lot of unknowns. And you don't know how LSU is going to mesh. They, they might have all kinds of problems. They might be starting Jaden Daniels because their offensive line is bad. You know, I my projection has Marie Smith missing this game. If he plays, I think I'm probably a percentage point or two higher because you have to account for the idea that we could have a bad snap in the game or, you know, just an inability to function without our top two centers like that's those are things that that concern me but like, this is it's an extremely high variance game it wouldn't surprise me if FSU won this thing by 10 yeah as you said yesterday on cover three I believe we don't know nearly as much about these teams as we think we do right now and uh that will certainly play itself out and 
if we, if we don't know a whole lot now, I certainly think we'll have a good idea <laughs> after the third game, uh, 13 days after LSU, you travel to Louisville. Uh, Bud, where are you on this one? Yeah, so I am at 43% here. Okay. Uh, I, I, I make this uh, slightly more likely to win than LSU. Uh, where, where are you at? This will this may be our biggest delta, and uh, this may be me wanting something that uh, I'm not sure, but I've got it at 56% for Florida State's favor here. Interesting. So I, I have a hard time shaking the fact that Satterfield has just absolutely pantsed Adam Fuller every time they've played so far. Uh, now, granted, it's only two games. It's been pretty like they have reached garbage time almost immediately. Both times they've played, he like these games have not been competitive. I think Louisville's defense is the most improved unit out of all four units that'll be on the field. You know, Louisville O, Louisville D, that that, that type of thing. Um, apparently, Brownlee has his head on straight and is going to start for them. By the way, so that's if he's if he's right, he's he's a solid player. They picked up a nice transfer. Uh, from Arizona State to play nose, which has been a position they've needed uh, quite a bit in some of their losses. I think that's an elite offense you're facing and one of the best offensive lines you're going to face. Uh, and I, I think they can block FSU. But if FSU's D-line steps up, then this is a whole new ball game. So I'm not really convinced that, that their passing game uh, is all that great if they're not able to use some of that run action. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you about. What you thought of their receivers and uh, and running back units? But I, yeah, know, I, we, we I were there. The backs are... They're pretty happy with the backs. Like yeah. The receiver stuff, I I, uh, I I don't know, man. I don't think they're like great shakes, but they they create a lot of of one on ones with you know the, these long over concepts that they're running off play action. That they don't do a whole lot of drop back stuff. It's sort of similar to what FSU does in terms of uh, not what they run, but but how they run it. You know, it's yeah. a lot of play action. It, it, it's it's a lot of a lot of half roll stuff. Bud and I sat in some uh, some wonderful what I label almost novelty seats last year for the Louisville game. It's you know three years three yard three seats three rows off of uh, off of the fifty yard line, and it sounds like a great seat in many ways it is, uh, but you don't see a whole lot of as to what's going on other than you know that that is immediately in front of you. And uh, I believe the score was what thirty one to three or something like that at halftime when we went to go get a little bit better advantageous position uh, as to watch the game and. I think it was at that point when Bud and I briefly started talking about maybe doing a barbecue podcast. So uh, I think we're I think we're going to be a better place after this year's Louisville game. Uh, and also, like I said, I think this may be the biggest delta that we have as far as win uh, projection between the two. So uh, moving to game four, Boston College. I'll go out here first. I've got this at seventy four percent, Bud. Okay, seventy four. So this might be our smallest delta. I have this at seventy five. Okay. Um, yeah. I, Briefly on Boston College, uh, Jeff Halfley told me at Media Day, this is on the record, so not not private stuff, that this should be the best defense they've had at Boston College in a while. Uh, however, they did lose four offensive linemen, two to the draft, and the remaining big-time O-line draft prospect, Christian Mahogany, uh, I think he blew a knee playing pickup basketball in the offseason, so he is out, which means Boston College has to break in five new offensive linemen. They do get Zay Flowers back at receiver, uh, despite – some team, I don't know, maybe a couple thousand miles south trying to get him to transfer for an NIL thing. I think BC matched. But ultimately, your defensive line here, I think, is the difference. If FSU is healthy, I think they should be able to give Boston College's offense real problems. This might be a defensive battle, but in Doak, 
I, I do like this. You also get the extra day of rest uh, coming off the trip to Louisville. So it's not the, the typical, you know, shorter post-road turnaround. Here's one that will probably make or break the season, by the way. Or, or do you have more Boston College stuff? No, I mean, you you said it there. And we're more or less uh, in a lines based off our, our percentages on, on that game. Um, uh, yeah, make or break the season and also a game that I really struggle with as to whether or not their quarterback's going to be back when I when I put this number on the sheet. So let's move our attention to said quarterback and Wake Forest. Yeah, and, and I think, like, I mean, a guy like Sam Hartman is probably worth – you know, four, maybe five points on the spread. And that's that's a fairly big deal. Uh, I went with 75. Yeah. I don't think that this team is going to be uh, with Sam Hartman when they play FSU. If they did, I'd probably knock this down to, you know, 70 or 68 or, or, or what have you. Uh, here's the thing. I think Wake Forest with Hartman could be a better football team than they were last year in terms of actual quality of play. But they were also really fortunate last year in some games. I think they, their win total that they ended up with was higher than the quality of play on the field actually deserved in terms of the, some of the breaks they got, some of the turnovers they got, which, again, if you guys are new to the show, there is some skill in turnovers. There's a lot of luck in turnovers. That's why it's not super consistent year to year. I also think if you go back and look at that FSU game, Wake got a ton of I'm not going to say just dumb luck, but just really fortunate stuff. The, the nonsense penalty call uh, for the late hit to, to extend that, that one wake touchdown drive, which was inbounds. Like he pretty clearly did not step out of bounds uh, before he was hit. You also had like the tip ball touchdown. It just, there was a lot of stuff that even if it was good skill, it was like, yeah, that that's a nice shot. Can you hit that again? Type stuff. And I'm, I'm a little skeptical that they can. I think FSU is better equipped to defend them this year, especially with the safety combo that the Knowles have in Jamie Robinson and, uh, and and Dent there. So I'm I'm a little bullish on this game for FSU, but this is projection, full disclosure, is without Hartman. Yeah. Uh, the most likely time for Hartman to come back is, is probably post-bye week, which is a week after FSU. So, yep. But if he gets better earlier, then you have to drop this down some. Yeah. I have this priced as him coming back. Uh, I... Okay have talked to some people awake and maybe they're just wildly optimistic. They, they think they're going to have him back. Now you, you hear very different stories on Hartman, depending on who you talk to as to, yeah, maybe he's just missing a couple of weeks or dude's not going to play again. So there, there's a whole lot of variance as to what Clawson this, this week did is. say, like the, their head coach did say this week, I think it was Monday or Tuesday uh, that, that they're going to get him back. Okay. So it's more of a question of, of a win, not, not if at this point, I think. I have him back for this game in my numbers, and I have Wake at 61%. Well, you have Wake winning 61%? Or no, I, I have like Florida State's okay. win, win projection or uh, win possibility at 61%. Yeah. I, I'm also curious like, if their defense is actually going to be better. They think it'll be better, but I'm – I don't know, man. That's uh, It has not been a great defense uh, in, in recent years. Okay. Uh, at NC State. This is this is my lowest game uh, yeah. on, on the schedule. This and Miami are my two lowest games uh, as far as what Florida State's win percentage is. Thirty-one uh, percent. I'll lead off. I don't like the matchup. I don't like the emergence of some of the pieces uh, that people in Raleigh will tell you to come on. I just uh, look this in a video game that you can just you know sim and rest everybody up. But, but I I don't think Florida State um, is well served here on this weekend. I've got thirty-one percent. 
Uh, there's a another road game here that I have slightly less likely for Florida State to win that we'll get to in a couple games. Uh, but I don't like the matchup. I don't like who they're having to play against quarterback. And, um, you know, Florida State traveling to Raleigh is uh, is a tough, tough ask regardless. It definitely is. I, I actually have this at 25%, so I, I'm even lower than you. I, I don't give them – I'm not going to say I give them no shot, but I don't give them a great shot to win this game. Uh, I, I think NC State – has an advantage on both lines of scrimmage. Uh, I think they have really good linebackers. They feel better about their secondary than they have in a while. I think Devin Leary uh, is arguably the best quarterback in the ACC. The guy just doesn't turn the football over. 33-5, and I think it was, last year. Touchdown-interception ratio, big-time arm. Uh, Receiver is something they feel okay about. This could be a bit of a slugfest if receiver doesn't come on for them because I do have – some confidence in FSU's ability to stop the run this year, especially given the emergence of Briggs on the outside, who I think could be a difference maker for you in somewhat of the way that like Mario Edwards Jr. was back in the day, you know, just like setting the edge in a way that disrupts what you do offensively. And and to me, there's no game on this schedule that FSU cannot win, right? But this is the least likely win for me, at least. Uh, followed closely by the next game, though. Okay, interesting. Um, Clemson. I really I don't wish I could. FSU, sorry, go ahead. I'm I just saying. I wish I could re uh, re <laughs> address my Clemson win percentage after two or three weeks. I just I desperately sure. want to see what this team looks like. Incredible defense, really nice skill position. I, I'm still real skeptical as to what they have at quarterback. Some of the decisions that Dabo made at coordinator, as far as replacing. I'm not going to tell you this is a, a dynasty in decline quite yet. But there certainly were some of the prereqs uh, of that that you saw last year. So I've got this game at 36 percent as far as the win probability. And uh, like I said, if there was any game on the schedule that I would like a two or three window week window look in uh, to reevaluate, it would be this one. But as for now, as we sit here on the uh, you know one of the final days in August at 730 in the morning, I've got this at 36 percent in Florida State's uh, likelihood of winning. Nice. So I'm a little more bullish on them than you are uh, just because of the defensive talent. I just don't think FSU can block Clemson. Mm-hmm. I, I think I like that the floor of the offensive line has been raised. I do not think the ceiling of the offensive line has been raised very much with the talent that is brought in yet. You know, Darius Washington, not a real offseason given, given that he was hurt. Caden Lyles is already down. Reese Smith is already hurt. That doesn't mean he's not going to be back for the game, but Again, like he's already hurt and he yeah. he stays hurt. Gibbons stays in, in the training room. You know, Robert Scott also had an injury. So, uh, yeah, I make this twenty six percent. This is to me. Is it weird that Venables is clearly the better coordinator than Elliott, and yet I'm a little bit more confident on what they replaced Venables with, just based on things I had heard about about West, the, the new DC, uh, than I am about the replacement at, at, at OC for, you know, Streeter replacing Tony Elliott. Maybe I'm biased because of the talent on defense, though. Like, I, well, I, I was going to say, it's a, I don't care who you are. You give me that defensive line, you can give me whatever coordinator you want. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it legitimately might be better than their 2018 defensive line. It is. Now, that's, that's probably a reach, but just to give you an idea, their defensive line is is uh, all world. And, uh, yeah, you, you know the coaching personnel better than I do, uh, but – I, I tell you what, you, you let me start with that front seven. Um, I feel pretty confident about anybody that I put a coordinator at Clemson right now. For sure. All right, Georgia Tech. This is uh, this is one that I was 
look, I I don't make individual game numbers. I make my power ratings, and and, and then I and then I run some simulations. Right. This is one I'll tell you that I was a little bit surprised at just how high I had this. Give us your number, sir. Yeah, I am ninety four percent on Georgia Ooh. Tech. That is richer than even I thought you were going to say. And wow. Okay. I'm at 86%. This is my, I have another game at 86%, but absent the, uh, the Duquesne game, this is my, you know, most confident game that, that I have on the schedule for Florida state. So it's an interesting off season. I, I, I mean, look, Georgia tech, we've talked about it for a year now, legitimately, we were laughing how hard this schedule was going to be. I think two or three weeks into the, the season last year for Georgia tech, by all accounts, Jeff Collins is a dead man walking. I have to say that was not the athletic director's actions over the over the last uh, you know six months or so. They have given him some pretty good pieces when it comes to some coaching and support staff and and things like that. So, um, nonetheless, I just don't see Georgia Tech winning more than two or three games this year. And I, absent some some crazy concentrated injuries along the line of scrimmage, I, I don't see Florida State being uh, this particularly being a competitive game. Yeah, I. I agree with you there. Um, so you're 86%, you said? Or 80? Yes. All right, 86. So my real concern with Georgia Tech is the number of guys they had transfer out who are now starting at better programs. I don't believe that Collins and company can replace that. And I, I think just things that I, I had heard in the coaching industry, they were, they were pretty annoyed at, at how the transfer portal treated them. <laughs> the best D lineman on Ole Miss. So well, the you, kid who started Georgia Tech last year. Obviously, Jameer Gibbs. Who yeah, I was going to say you got a free. skill kid in Tuscaloosa potentially starting. That's not something. That's not something Georgia Tech, uh, you know, suffers a, a a loss of and and absorbs real well. So yeah. So I I, I make FSU a twenty point favorite in this, which seems high. FSU's coming off a a a bowl or excuse me, not a bowl game. Good God, a bowl game would be cool to come off, but they're coming off a bye week, and Georgia Tech is not. They are, uh, like, you know, consecutive home games, so they'll, they'll be somewhat not well rested. But it's like you haven't had to travel for a while. Georgia Tech gets two extra days of rest. I think they play that Thursday game against Virginia. Uh, I just I don't think Georgia Tech has a whole lot of talent. I also think getting Georgia Tech in the back half of the schedule, this could I'm not saying will, but could be a situation uh, where they're sort of a dead man walking team, right? Uh, I also think FSU will take them seriously because there's a decent number of guys who were on that 2020 team who lost to this team uh, for the season opener, right? It's uh, and I don't know what Collins' buyout is. Oh, Collins' buyout's interesting. He's owed 10.6 per Pete Thamel if he's fired in early December, but 7.2 mm -hmm. after January 1st. That's not totally relevant to this game, but this is one that I think if you're if you're Mike Norvell, you have to get because you're in a very difficult stretch here of, of games in which like you're gonna be clearly underdogs in three out of four games between NC State, Clemson, Georgia Tech, and at Miami. Maybe double digits in, in, in a couple of those. Yeah, uh, is is it as cut and dry in, in this? I'm probably being oversimplified or oversimplistic, but uh if if Florida State loses against Georgia Tech this year, Mike Norvell is not gonna be your cut. Well, no, Mike Norvell has his own powerful buyout. I don't. I shouldn't. I shouldn't go quite that that strong with it. But look, if you lose to Georgia Tech this year, uh, you're looking at having a, a six and six type season. Maybe, maybe you know, perhaps likely uh, worse than. Yeah, that. if you lose this one, you you might be going five and seven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, at Miami, uh, 
at Miami, for me, this is, uh, and sounds like we got a, a little bit of a difference here. Uh, this is, for me, the most pessimistic game that I have on the schedule. I, I don't like the pieces that Miami uh, has been able to add in the portal. I don't think you're going to get a similar effort from Van Dyke that you did last year. You don't have a future first-round pick uh, harassing him in the entirety of the right side of the offensive line. Um, I have this at 29%. But... Dude, that's exactly what I have it at. Mm, okay. All right. Wow. Okay. Um, this is one where Miami is, I think, clearly a better team than FSU is. They have done a nice job in the transfer portal. I do think Van Dyke is a good quarterback. I'm not sure I'm totally sold on him being a lock first rounder, and maybe he will be. I just I want to see more than a, than a five or six game sample against FBS teams like he played last year. You know, to me. I kind of like the matchup a little bit in that I, I like Miami's secondary. I like Miami's running backs. I like Miami's defensive line when it comes to pass rush. But this was a really poor run-stopping team last year, which is what the Knowles want to do. I think FSU's secondary is good, but I would have some concerns if you're lining up like Renardo Green or true freshman AZ Thomas in front of a bunch of stud receivers. And you know, Miami, I think, still has fairly, uh, not significant, but real questions at the pass-catching positions. So does FSU, certainly. But to me, that's why I'm, I'm as high as I am on, on this game. Like I, I did adjust this a point for, and I, and I do this each week. Like I make my numbers in the preseason. I can give you my number on every single game for every game that's going to be played in this year, not just FSU. But week to week, I, I do adjust it with points, right? And like this is one stylistically, I don't hate the matchup here. Talent wise, certainly Miami is a better team than you are. Stylistically, I, I do give them a, a little bit of extra credit. Moving into the final three games of the regular season, looking at a Syracuse game, I'll lead it off. I've got this at 79%, but. Okay. Uh, I am actually. At 69% on this one. So a little bit of, of a difference. It, it's you know back-to-back -back road games. That, that's that's a long travel. Uh, at the same time, the Syracuse team certainly could quit. They've had a ton of adversity, but they usually play pretty hard for for uh you know for Dino. They are installing a new offense that they I don't think there's any doubt that this offense will be better coordinated than it was last year. The old Gilbert stuff, I, that was not a good fit. Now, do they have the personnel to run what they really want to run? I'm not sure. This is the game that I think has the biggest potential swing for me. If this all clicks, you could be a toss-up there. If it doesn't, you could be a two-touchdown road favorite, right? Uh, Syracuse has a very thin defensive line. There's another team we're going to talk about that, that is very thin, on the defensive line coming up, by the way, which makes projecting them throughout the whole season difficult. But you have to take this into account. Especially this deep into the schedule. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, they could lose some guys there. That, that And also, uh, the offensive line at Syracuse. They feel the starters will be the best unit they've had in about six or seven years. Hmm. But the backups are very problematic. They are sort of in the whole can't play range or are can't block FSU's guys range. Hmm. They have the really good back in Sean Tucker. Schrader is an experienced quarterback, even though throwing-wise, he's not great. Receivers, I'm not really totally sold on. That's why I have FSU at almost 70% to win on the road. But I, 
good luck projecting this man like they have so many questions all right uh interesting game here against the university of louisiana uh i have a very optimistic number on this tied with georgia tech as the most uh, optimistic looks at games uh throughout the year this team lost a decent amount of talent in the transfer portal i've got this at 86 percent, but interesting okay so i have this at 84 percent. so we are we're very close uh i think this team on a neutral field beats georgia tech Okay. confidently so the fact that it's after a road trip and then sandwiched between that and your uh your, your biggest rival in uf even though it's a home game it's still it's a sandwich spot this is a, a this is an fsu team that cannot afford any letdowns this year they have to just try to be up for all 12 weeks if they can they cannot overlook anybody but they did lose an awful lot to the transfer portal I've talked to some guys down there. I, I try to find like local media guys to talk to when, when, when I'm making my you know preseason numbers. They, they feel like they've actually upgraded at the quarterback position. Uh, they will be a little more aggressive offensively, but they did lose a good bit of talent. Like if you played last year's Louisiana team, this would not be, mm-hmm. um, yeah, not be 84. Very the other different. thing is, I I still have a hard time figuring out how good this team is, man, mm-hmm. Louisiana, because. And I mentioned this on cover three and Florida fans got mad at me and it's not a knock on Napier. It's just an admission that I don't know because nobody in the Sunbelt West other than than this Louisiana team has made a bowl the last two years. Mm -hmm. They have primarily just been feasting on uh, teams that were bottom 30 in the country and they beat them soundly for the most part. But there is an element of, can you get your team to play up every week? I don't know. Like Troy's going to be better this year. I think South Alabama is going to be better this year. Southern Miss should be better this year. Coastal, I have a slight downgrade. App State, kind of the same. Georgia State should be better. I think they actually dodged Marshall and App from from the East and the Sun Belt. I don't, I don't have all these schedules memorized, but I, I remember thinking like one of my talking points on them was pretty favorable schedule yet again somehow. But this is not a team that you're going to beat by forty. Like, mm-hmm. Don't just look at Louisiana and think, okay, whatever. Like this is yeah. All right, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you lead off with the Florida game here, bud. All right, uh, I have Florida rated two points better than FSU, and the game's in tally. So that to me means exactly a fifty percent. I use two for home field advantage, not three. Uh, yeah, I, I have this exactly fifty percent. Okay, yeah. where are you at? For what it's worth, I wrote all my numbers down beforehand, so I don't want you all to think I'm just uh, adjusting on the fly. I've got this at fifty-one percent, so we're we're more or less in agreement. I, I have this slightly. Shaded to Florida State. Uh, again, absent the Clemson game. If you give me any like week three look in to reevaluate these numbers, I would I would choose Florida here. I would uh, I, I desperately want to get a feel for where this team is, how it responds to one, a year one coach. Uh, but as for now, I have Florida State as the slightest of favorites. Um, and again, we're talking about, you know, games that are that are 12 weeks away and as hard to predict as, as any on the schedule. But uh, that's where I am as of, as of this morning. I don't think there's any problem with that. And I know like their defensive line is something that you have a real concern with. They just didn't get that marquee piece in the transfer that they wanted or marquee pieces. I mean, this was a, this was a school that desperately needed to go out and get a difference maker in the middle and they don't have it. And it's uh it is a strange place to see, 
a school like that as depleted along the defensive line as they are, but that's the, you know, the reality of Florida's situation as we, uh, as we sit here at the end of August. I, I agree, man. Like, I, I think that's really kind of, you, you said it, you know, it's, it, it's weird because if they stay healthy, I will have them favored in Tallahassee, I think. Mm-hmm. But what are the odds that you stay perfectly healthy? This is why we talk about things like depth and, and why in our positional preview shows, we make sure to do things like you know, talk about depth and talk about the backups because what happens if they have to play? Maybe uh, this is the game that I have to buy a second trade Benson jersey after or something. I mean, I could legitimately see Benson running for like 180 yards against Florida. Uh, you've, you've got a chance to, to dominate this team on the ground if you're healthy, if you think Benson is what he is. Uh, this this could be a whole hell of a lot of fun for a fl- now. I don't know how many people are going to see it. Uh, this is not a win projection based conversation, but I don't think you're going to have a ton of people in the stands on a Black Friday, you know, day after Thanksgiving, no students. Uh, I don't. I doubt this will be replicated, just based off my own personal thoughts. Now, maybe maybe Florida State's won eight games at this point. The fan base is incredibly enthused, and this is you know somewhat of a what was it, 2010, the first chance of the Jimbo era that you really got a chance to to slap Florida and you're fully excited about it. But um, I'm, I'm curious. I don't think – I certainly don't think this is a, a three-point atmosphere uh, from a home field advantage standpoint like you referenced there. And, uh, hey, it'll be fun to watch, fun to play out. Uh, but as of now, I have Florida State as a, as a slight favorite. I mean, I, I, I agree with you there. So our, our totals then uh, are – I am at 7.12, and you are at 7.37 wins. Yeah, I think I'm just under 7.45. Yeah, so. Yeah. That ain't bad, man. <clears throat> no, it, it's not bad. And it's, uh, you know, I, 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 of course, this is easy to say now. I don't think I've talked myself into any wild lies other than the Louisville game. I, I'm probably a little bit high on that one. But, uh, look, this is a, you know, this For is where we are. Different. Like, that's, that's yeah. not huge, you know? If things go well, I think this uh, you have a chance to be an eight-win team, which is a, a wildly optimistic projection from where we would have been maybe six months ago or so. Uh, I, I think this team is legitimately better. I think this team, if it had some of the schedules of the past three years, would we would legitimately be talking about a potential nine-win team here. Um, as the schedule is this year, I'm – not quite at seven and a half, but uh, you know, I am I am damn near a coin flip uh, between between seven and eight wins if you if you look at these numbers and put them together. So yeah, I I I, th- I think that's very fair. All right, so um, here's something for you. What odds would you give Florida State to win ten or more regular season games? Uh, somewhere between eight and twelve percent, just off the top of my head. I'm going to turn my fan off. It's making a lot of noise. This is crazy. So uh, I'll be interested in Bud's number there. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you got about a 10% chance if you if you just want to round those two together of winning 10 regular season games. And, and yeah, that might even be – I might be closer to eight as I run through my numbers here. But, Bud, where are you on that projection or likelihood? Yeah, so I'm, I'm at like – I'm at like 15%, dude. Mm, okay. No, I'm sorry. I, 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 I misread that I, I'm on the fly. I don't have those columns up. I am at, uh, at like seven and a half, eight percent. Okay. Right. If I'm, if I'm, yeah. I'm doing this right. Like that's, 
here's something interesting. If you stay super healthy, there's enough coin flips on this schedule that there are, there are not many games on this schedule in, in which you legitimately project to be a double digit underdog or especially not a, uh, you know, two touchdown underdog type type thing. That's yeah. a big deal. Like the, the teams that go and do really wild stuff typically are those, those teams that just don't have any games that are just absolute locks. There's three games here in NC State, Clemson, and Miami where we're pretty definitively, um, you know, negative as to what your projections are and um, in a in a significant manner. Other than that, but none none in which you're a two touchdown dog though. No, you know what I'm no, no, nothing that you're not going to be competitive in per se. Uh, look, you know, every program thinks they have a run of bad luck. Uh, the, I think Florida State's had a little bit of a couple ba- rough bounces recently, uh, whether it be injury luck or other things. Uh, you you win a couple of these coin flips, and I mean, are we we legitimately talking about an eight or nine win team? Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's possible. So, uh, a testament to the job done. Certainly, you've had some some misses in the talent acquisition game, but the the talent on this roster has upgraded significantly as we've talked about for a while, and and as we both kind of individually remarked while doing our snap count draft. I, I think we had guys last year getting like 700 snaps in our projections that if they were on the roster at this point might be double digit projections. I mean, it was just, just a better upgraded roster across the board. And uh, I think to a, a large extent, our win probabilities are, are reflective of it. Yeah. I, I have them at a, what about here? I mean, I, I have them at a 78% chance to make a bowl. That's pretty good, man. Pretty good. And and again, based off these projections, uh, you know, Mike Norvell's got what a eighteen point eight million dollar buyout. You said, bud, correct? Yeah, that okay. extension, uh, according to Pete Thamel at ESPN, was real. Like not just a hey hand wave. Here's a, a you know, verbal extension. Like like the FSU is in on Mike Norvell. They they guaranteed that deal. Yeah. Also, my lights are apparently out now. That's great. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna burn this thing down. First thing in the morning recording, that'll happen. So um, it, it went out yesterday on cover three, too, man. I'm just like, okay, how hard is it to get some rope lights? Yeah. Well, that, that actually work. Stay I'm, up. I'm familiar in that atmosphere, in that arena, and rope lights are trash. Uh, so uh, it's not my, not my first. Uh, these are these strip lights that have the adhesive on the back. Yep. High, high quality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So a couple things here for you. Number one, FanDuel has this team. At twenty to one to win ten or more regular season games, I, I mean, if you think like there's, I think there's potentially some value in that. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think Louisville is the better better bet there. It was like forty five to one. Now it's thirty to one, but okay. still, like, there's some teams you that, if you're a decent team, like a top. If you think this team is a top 35 type team or in that range, and honestly, like guys, there's not much difference between like the 18th team, and like the 48th team nationally. People don't want to hear that. 25th is an arbitrary number, but if you're, if you do power ratings, there ain't much difference. Like I'll, I'll take, uh, I don't want to run too long here, but I mean, just who is my, all right. I'll take um, my team rated 
18th and I'll decrease them by a field goal. If you're just a field goal worse per game, mm-hmm. okay? Props them to 33rd. Hmm. Instructive. Huh. BYU, by the way. There's not that much difference. If you just stay healthy and have some continuity and, and the coaching staff does a good job, this team could win 10 games. If you have bad bounces, this team could win four games. This is what this is sort of the lesson. If you had this schedule with this many close games, it it's there's nothing guaranteed. I don't have any individual record with more than a 25% likelihood. Mm-hmm. Right. I have double digit likelihoods on, you know, six, seven. Like, I mean, dude, these are, you know, five actually is, is still mm-hmm. a double digit percentage chance, which people are, are going to hate to hear, you know, eight, nine is pretty close. Uh, the tails, the tail ends of this distribution are, yeah. are big. When the, you play this many close games, you only yeah. have one lock game on the schedule. Two, if you want to count Georgia Tech, but I mean that's—I don't know what's going to happen. The variance is huge. Yeah. Will this team be ranked at any point this year? Um, maybe at the end of the season. I, I just—I uh, think the likelihood that you start. Here's the other thing that I take away from these projections. I know people don't want to hear this. The world isn't over if you start out one and two. I know it's going to suck. I know people are going to hate it. I know that there's going to be some, you know, entertaining spaces and and message boards and everything else. Um, Look, uh, you've got a decent chance of going one and two and and quickly being, you know, three and three after the, uh, well, three and four after the Clemson game. And and I think you got a good chance of winning four of your last five games. I, I think, you know, be patient with the schedule. That's that's what I'm saying from these win percentages. Um, and I don't see you getting ranked only because I I think you s- struggle a little bit out of the gate. And the from a national perspective, pundits are going to be pretty pretty reluctant to put a number next to Florida State's game. You're going to have to win, you know, four your last five or something like that, in my opinion, for that to happen. I I, I think that's fair. Um, you know, I. I I wonder, like, if you start two and one, though, which I think two and one is the highest individual likelihood. If you had to pick one, because you are you are coin flippy in both your your difficult games, you're going to beat Duquesne. I could see then, it being also receiving votes uh, if you could you start could out be two four and, and one, man. Like yeah, you, you could you could pretty easily if you start two and one, the chance that you go four and one is pretty high. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And like yeah. four and one, that's true. You've played two spotlight national TV games. You have the the LSU game all to yourself, and you have the Louisville game all to yourself. And then you get wins against Boston College and Wake Forest. I mean that. I think you're probably ranked at four and one. Yeah. If, yeah, if, if you, you can, do if that, you can start four and one, you'll you'll probably have a number next year. Now, that's probably your only chance to be ranked, though, because if you start three and two or worse. Then you go NC State, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Miami. Mm-hmm. Two wins there would be extremely uh, what you want. Like if you go two and two in that stretch, I think you're you're taking that right. Yeah. I personally, I think you're going to exit the Miami game being five and four, and it's how many of those final three games can you win as to what what the ultimate outcome of this this season looks like. So that's why I say be patient with this. 
Uh, ultimately, I think there's a ton of improvement here. And ultimately, I think it's going to be reflected in your final win, win-loss number. But uh, this has been fun. This is always a good kind of draw the emotion out of it experience. And, uh, you know, we certainly try to do that to, to the best of our ability. We got time for like two more questions or you got to bounce? 100%. No, let's do it. All right. I think we've done in the season previews, you guys can kind of tell what would need to happen for you to overachieve or underachieve. There's also things outside your control, like injury bug for other teams that that might matter uh, or other teams that might not matter. What is this record if they go, if they go seven and five, what, what does that mean for recruiting? So I said this a couple months ago when, when, everybody started to kind of shift their focus to this. I don't think you're as dead in the water at seven and five as some people may think you are in recruiting. Um, I, I think that you'll be able to sell to an extent three, five, seven. I don't think you're going to trust me. I don't think you're going to start grabbing top 150 kids or something like that. If you go seven and five. Uh, but I do think that there's a little bit of progress there. We've talked at length for the past couple of months that institutionally Florida state's in a much better place to uh, look at recruiting and evaluate the landscape. Um, you know, are you going to close with a flourish? No. Uh, is the class going to suffer massive defection? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I think uh, you're, I think a seven and five record would let you keep most of the pieces that you have, particularly along the offensive line. Uh, are you going to grab a Hakeem Williams at seven and five? Yeah, probably not. I, I think that's, that's fair. Um, it's also going to depend on on how it looks, who they are, and and what order they come in. I, I think you'd rather start hot and have your, you know, your five. Like if you are four and one to start the year, and you finish seven and five, people aren't going to like that because that means you finished three and four. Mm-hmm. That to me is better for recruiting than the opposite. A one and two start and a seven and five finish. I don't think you can sell as well because people are going to write you off. You're going to hear hot seat talk. The entire time. If you go, if you're Mike Norvell and you start four and one and you finish three and four, which is very possible. Granted, if you start four and one, you're probably a little bit better than I think you are, but not that much better. Like point point six wins better than I have you projected at that point. Like at that, I, I have you three point four and two point six. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know that that's that doesn't even add up. It's not two point six. It's it's. 1.6 however that's only like like 0.6 wins better through five games that, that i think you can beat. like that's not that insane to happen it's just a couple of bounces if you start hot you can just tell kids hey man we need more depth right we got some injuries down the stretch if you start poorly you're just going to be on game day hey this is a must-win game for mike norvell and okay they win it next week is a must-win game for mike norvell even though their own Pete Thamel's reported that the buyout's 18-8, and FSU's clearly not going to pay that buyout, barring some pretty wild circumstances. We, I know, I think we, we've covered that on this show pretty well. Seven and five, though, long term, does it kill you? Um, yeah, I mean, you're you're probably a dead man walking long term at seven and five. Well, uh, well I, I say not, probably, not definitely. I mean, look, it's you, an obstacle to overcome. You continue to improve the offensive line. Uh, I think in in many ways, Alex Atkins is uh, the best uh, insurance policy on your job security that you can have if you're Mike Norvell, uh, because you you have a piece there that is legitimately doing the one thing 
that boosters and everything else have wanted from this program for about five years. And that is address the damn offensive line and give us enough bodies that we can easily beat the bottom half of this conference. And that is a very non-complicated recipe if you're Florida State. Most of the schools in the ACC can't sign quality kids along the line of scrimmage and in quantity in numbers that matter. You can do it and return back to a you know 500 or plus level ACC program. And with Alex Atkins, uh, you know, you certainly have been as successful in that push as, as you have been in quite a while. No doubt about it. Yeah, I think that's really the argument is that this roster continues to get better year over year. Uh, at this point, if if Norvell doesn't work out, it's because he was not able to get them good enough, fast enough, or they just at some point you you didn't have enough wins to sell on the, on the recruiting trail. Things are not going backwards internally. They're you know okay. Uh, obviously, some guys on the staff who should have been fired last year who I think need to be fired. We've already went over this a couple times. But, uh, you know, they – I think they have a chance to have a nice season. And yep. Uh, I desperately want to close the book on this, but if Mike Norvell gets fired, it's because of two things that transpired last year that start with the word Jackson. And uh, that's, you know, that's why it, trained, that's yeah. why it happened. Uh, no, so. doubt. no doubt. You, you can't preach attention to detail and lose Jackson State. Yeah. So, And you can't lose the number one kid in the country to Jacksonville State either. So Also true. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this has been solid. a little longer than we thought, but I, I had fun with this, man. This was this was enjoyable. I guess Jacksonville State's the team that beat you. Jackson State's the team that beat you on the trail. Uh, or maybe I've true. said that reverse. You cannot but, lose uh, to anything involving Jackson. Yeah, Jackson. <laughs> exactly. You know what? You really missed an opportunity, by the way. To, like, Given your number of 69 nice uh, that you did in the snap count draft, you don't have any sixty-nine percent win probability. That was, that was uh, not intentional. I like uh, I like I like the psychology of placing things at nines, 49, 59, 129, etc. But yeah, you're right. I didn't. Uh, I, I wasn't there on any of these numbers. Nice. So uh, tell tell me Hartman's not playing, uh, and I get pretty close to it with the Wake Forest game. Perfect. All right. I uh, will see you, buddy. All right, y'all. Enjoyed it as always. We'll be back in uh, in season conversations moving forward. Appreciate you guys staying with us throughout the summer. Summer, we've made it. Football's here. Hurrah! Let's go. Can't wait.